I want to preach to you this morning a, a message of, uh, uh, that, uh, I don't know, it's, it's one of those messages, you'll, you'll get it, mate. hopefully you'll get it by the time I get to the end of it, when I, when I attach a title to it. But this morning we, uh, we live in a world that seems to be swallowed up in relativism. I hope most of you all know what relativism is. Relativism uh, has to do with, uh, in a layman's definition, is whatever you believe in your mind is real. Now, I've got bad news for you. If you believe in unicorns, they're not real. They exist only in your mind. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? But relativism says that they are real because they exist in your mind. Okay? That's sort of a layman's definition or example more so. But we live in a world that's swallowed up into relativism. There's things that each of you know um, and you're certain of that I'm never going to change your mind about. You know, I, and I, uh, the other week, Sarah and I, I think it was on Wednesday night that I, uh, I, in the, uh, in the message that we alluded to that, you know, my, our job as Christians are not to change each other's doings necessarily. We're not about, no, it was in a Sunday morning message. We're not to fix one another, but, but we are to impart to one another how we believe. There's certain things that, that each of us believe or that we feel like we know, which means that we do believe, and I'm never going to change your mind about them. Yeah. My granddad, for instance, bless his heart, and he's been gone for uh, close to 40 years, I guess, now. My granddad, he, uh, uh, he never believed that uh, man walked on the moon. Now, he watched it on TV just like this old, us older ones did when the Apollo landed on the moon and they had that little car and they got out and drove it around on the moon supposedly. And now they can't even send a satellite up there without it turning over. My granddad never believed that, that he believed all of that was a trick. He believed all of it was, was faked. He said they were in a desert somewhere. He said I've been out there in the desert when I was in the army. They were just in a desert somewhere and they filmed all that stuff. You, and, I can't prove that man has been on the moon. I just assume that the government's telling us the truth. Boy, I don't know about that, do you? Back then, maybe. Now, I don't know. But he never, he never believed that man went to the moon. Okay? You would never, never convinced him of anything other than that. Many things, uh, many things that, that, we don't give the slightest thought to, we still have strong beliefs about. Let me show you some things. If I were to tell you 2 plus 2 no longer equals 4, how many of you all would believe that? You know, and this this is a, you know, it's an absolute. We know if you have 2 and you put 2 with it, it's 4. Yeah, so that's sort of an absolute. Two, two plus, but if I, two plus two no longer equals four, it now equals five. Okay. I'm not going to convince you of that. If I told you that 
Red is no longer red, but red is now blue. Carry your truck is blue. It's not red. You wouldn't believe that. If I told you red is now yellow, it's no longer red, but red appears to be the yellowish tint. That's really red. It's no longer red. Yellow, it's no longer yellow, but it's now red. You wouldn't believe that. I like picking at kids every once in a while, especially when they're wearing the bright colored tennis shoes. I like it when they come on with a little bright yellow or bright orange shoes on, and I'll say, man, I love those blue shoes. And they're like, huh? Yellow's no longer yellow, but yellow now appears as blue. You believe that, don't you? Or then, if I told you that the ABCs are really not the ABC anymore. They're no longer of effect. And I know that's common to our English language. But ABCs are no longer of effect. They are now irrelevant. I'm not going to change your way of thinking. You know better than that, don't you? You know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. You know that blue is not red and red is not yellow and yellow is not blue. And you know that the ABCs still are the ABCs. We know those things. However, when it comes to our faith, we must realize that our faith needs to be guarded. I can never change your mind about those things. But there is a constant warfare that is going on, not only in your minds, but in, in, your, in the world that we live in, that is trying to affect your faith and change what you believe. Now faith is described in the scripture is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. That means faith is not a visible or tangible facet of life. I can't hand you faith. You can't see faith. You can't really hear faith. You see, when one place in Scripture, the, 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 the Bible uses the wind as an illustration. It says, we don't know where the wind comes from or where the wind goes. Right now, you and I, 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 I sincerely believe there is oxygen in this room. Do you? I sincerely believe there's oxygen in this room because I am inhaling and I am exhaling even even without me realizing it. I don't see it. I can't touch it. But I believe it's there. I believe it's there because I'm experiencing the effects of its presence in the room. I like using that as a a bit of a comparison to faith, if you would. Uh, uh, Faith is not based on what we taste, touch, see, or smell, but it maybe it will engage the sense of hearing. Well, how can it engage the sense of hearing? Perhaps. It's because the Scripture tells us in Romans 10 and 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the Word of God. John 17 and 17, the Scripture 
reads in the King James wording, thy word is truth. Not the truth, but defining truth. Thy word is truth, not the truth, but defining truth. Believing the word is essential to our faith. Believing the word is having confidence that our experience with God is real and genuine. Just as much as you believe two plus two equals four. And blue is not red. And red is not yellow. And yellow is not blue. And as easy as believing ABC. I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. I'm not, I usually don't read this much, but we're going to read the whole chapter. I think it's 111 verses. No, no, it's not many. That's not that many verses. It's actually 18 verses, I believe. But Hebrews chapter 2, it says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. If you don't catch anything else, pay attention to this first sentence. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. We pay close attention to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received is just punishment, How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles. He testified to it by signs, wonders, various miracles, and by the gift of the Holy Spirit... Distributed according to His will. We must, it is not the angels that He has subjected the world to come. Let me finish and read back up. It is not two angels that He has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind? Here's why I want you to sing that song. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. That's the first part of that song, Friend of God. Who am I that you are mindful of me? Number seven. You made them a little lower than the angels. Them. Who's them? Them is Humanity. You made them a little lower than angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything that is subject to them. In other words, let me pause and interject right there. What, what, what the Hebrew writer is saying, and he is saying that everything is subject unto us as the children of God. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, everything is subject to us, okay? But, but we have not seen everything. 
that is subject to us. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. A little while, Jesus was made lower than the angels. But now is crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In beginning many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters or we could even say friends of God. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am and the children of God has given me. And since the children of God have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. That is the explanation of why Jesus came and dwelt in the flesh in its entirety. And he freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by, slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but it's Abraham's descendants. That's us. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted now that's a lot of reading i realize that this morning but i want to preach to you with the thought in the mind it's as easy as abc it's as easy as abc i want you to pay attention to some things that's what god is saying to us in the hebrew writing he said pay attention in verse 1, as we read there in verse 1, and I, I told you that is a very important statement, maybe the most important statement in the text this morning, is pay careful attention. God is saying to us, we must pay attention. As derived in the Greek text there, the word that is used is prosuke, which means not only to focus on something, but to act upon it. So when God is saying, I want you to pay attention, he's saying, I don't only want you to pay attention and get focused on it, but I'm wanting to you, you to act upon it, if you would. The Hebrew writer is giving a charge that we be guarded or we guard ourselves against complacency. We all get complacent. There's all been songs written like that we're just getting used to the dark and 
uh, 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 the other week we were talking about that, that sometimes we can, we could turn off all the lights, for example, in this room and, and at first we wouldn't be able to see and you know, Sarah and I travel through those tunnels, uh, probably five, six days a week and sometimes you can be in bright sunlight and you can zoom into those tunnels and for a moment you're, you're sort of blinded, then you come out of the tunnel after just a few seconds and, and unless you're of course behind somebody from Ohio, then it takes you like two minutes to get through the tunnel. But when you come out of the tunnel in the bright sunlight, then you're you're blinded again. But 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 we can get adapted to the environment we're in if we're not really careful. We can become complacent as believers. We can become complacent to the gospel and the great work that Jesus Christ has done. Hey, Jesus gave us some examples of that. Just a couple I'll mention to you is, He gave us the tares among the wheat. He said, while men slept, the enemy came in, and He sowed tares among the wheat. Not tares, but tares among the wheat. And, and, and that's weeds, that's thistles, and that's thorns that, that would consume the wheat. And, and we know that there's more to that parable, but, but I want to focus on while men slept. It's complacency. Another place in Scripture that we see Jesus refer to is the parable that we know as the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were, were, were foolish. Five were ready to go. Five were asleep. And when the bridegroom came, the five that were ready to go went with him. But the five that were asleep were left behind. You see, Jesus guards our hearts. He tells us to be guarded against complacency. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus tells the church that Ephesus that he brags on them, tells them about all the good things that they have going on, but then he says I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. You've grown complacent. We can get used to the dark. We can get complacent in our circumstance, in our being. You know, sometimes we can you know, we, we can see something in our homes that maybe at first it bothers us a little bit. Maybe maybe it's something that you see that's out of place or something that's out of sort in your home or in your job. Maybe it's maybe it's your cars making that real weird funny noise. You know, you know, and, and even if it's a Ford, put that aside. Your cars making all these weird noises and and at first it really bothers you and you say, Man, I need to take thing by the shop and have it looked at but if you keep driving it day after day day and week after week month after a while you don't found out that thing's been making that noise for a year and you still haven't done anything about it we become used to things we become complacent in situations i've got to hurry up and what we find that that in all of this we must consider It's not so important how we start this faith walk that we're in. It's not so important how we start. And many times believers will start and they hit the ground running and they're all fired up. But what is more important to me is that how we start this journey is how we finish the journey. And we look at this establishment that Jesus has created. We call it the church, but He called it the way as you study the New Testament. In John 14 and 16, Jesus identified Himself as the way, the truth, and the life. 
We touched on that in life group this morning. It happens every week. Thank you, Alicia. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the book of Acts, the converted Saul that's now become Paul and his disciples, all those that follow him, they are referred to as the way. That was their movement. They weren't called a church. They were called the way. Perhaps because Christianity was not just to be another religion, but it was rather to be observed as a lifestyle to be lived. Christianity is so much more than just a routine and a ritual that we go through. Do we have them? Yes, we do. Do we have, do we have liturgy? Yes, we do. We are, even as Pentecostals, we have certain liturgical practices that we do. But listen, your experience with Jesus Christ is more than ritual and routine. It is a lifestyle to be lived. It is a lifestyle to inherit. It is a lifestyle to enjoy in the presence of our elder brother. So why the call to pay attention, I must ask? Why the paving of the way? Verse number 7 of where we read from this morning uh, in the book book of Hebrews says it offers the form of a question to my a question that answers my question why do we call why are we called to pay attention why the paving of the way verse 7 offers us the answer who is man that you are mindful of him who is man that you are mindful of him let me tell you something man is a unique creation of God there is no one else like God like man in the creation of God. Now, listen, all of you that love your pets, I bless your heart. I, I'm not against pets. I don't Sarah and I don't have time for pets. I like big dogs, but we don't have time for pets. I've had pet pigs growing up. I have had pet steers growing up. Sometimes it's hard when you sit down and eat your pet. I want you to know I've went through that before. Yeah, I've had pet roosters. I've, I've had, I'm, I'm not against pets, but let me tell you something. You are created different. You know, you're not crossing over Rainbow Bridge. You and I. There is something different about us. We are not like our, our, our favorite dog or our favorite cat or favorite chicken or whatever it may be. There is something different about humanity than any other creature God has created. And I go back to the Genesis and I find there how God created everything that was. But he picked up a handful of dirt, and in that handful of dirt, he formed into a uh, fashion of a man that was fashioned in the likeness of God. Listen, there's, there are pictures, I think, is it Leonardo da Vinci's who did, uh, probably most of the depictions of Jesus were da Vinci, right? And, and I don't know that Jesus looks like the picture you've got in your house, okay? I'll be honest with you. I don't know what he looks like. He might look like that picture. That's that's the, the the that's the picture I gather in my mind. Jesus standing at the door. I, I, he might not, but he might not look like that. Okay, I want you to know that. But I want you to know whatever he looks like, you are created in his likeness. And because you're created in his likeness, when I go back and read in Genesis, I find that when he created us out of a big old ball of dirt and he formed us and then he did something that he's never done to any other creature, not any creature before and not any creature since. I did a breath mint. Okay. I did a breath mint. 
but what God did. I'm sorry, I did do a breath mint. <laughs> I'll do it to my wife. I'll do it to my wife. Heath is mine. But what God did is he, he breathed. Actually, he breathed into the nostrils. The breath of life. His breath. The pneuma. The, his spirit. More than just a breath. You understand, Yahweh, you know, when we call Yahweh, Yahweh is the breath of God. It's the inhale and it's the exhale of God. And God breathed His Spirit into humanity. That's why we are different than anything else. Well, so, so Fido don't go to heaven, okay? Rojo, your pet rooster, he didn't make it. Okay? Don't mean to bust your bubble, but he didn't make it. But, but, but we are different. We are God. We, we, you know, we have a soul. We are eternal beings. Okay? So here's, here's, here, it, putting this in context, we, we, when we begin to think that we have the breath of God, we're living creatures, we're living souls. Man has uniquely equipped and blessed us by his maker. When we read what the Hebrew writer said, he says they are crowned with glory and honor. No other creature on the face of the earth is crowned with glory and honor but man. Everything that is earthly, the Hebrew writer said, is subject to us. You know, we talk about the lion is the king of the jungle. And maybe... Some other animal you can think about is the, you know, you know, I, I, I think about the, the lion most of all, you know, when I was a kid. Any of y'all, any of y'all ever watched the original Wizard of Oz? Scared me to death when I was a kid. Yeah, you know, I know y'all, y'all was sanctified and saved. Y'all didn't watch stuff like that. Scared me to death. No, the old original Wizard of Oz, the, the lion. I am the king of the jungle. But you know what? Man can, has, and it doesn't mean we can't be consumed by something else. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But understand this, there is nothing superior on the face of the earth. There is not another created being. There, there is not another thing that God created on the face of the earth that has the authority over humanity. You see, God created us and made us in a way different than anything else. I'm not going to get done with this this morning. I don't have to hurry up. But here's what I want to tell you. Everything is under our feet. So this way, this letter being written to the Hebrews was written to a people that had to point to... The only thing they had known was to follow Moses. He's writing it to the Hebrews. And they had great confidence that the law of Moses would never pass away. However, Jesus said, I didn't come to kill the law, but I'm here to fulfill the law. The writer intentionally made mention in the Hebrew letter that the of the angels for the benefit of the Hebrews. He made mention of the angels in order to distinguish the work that Jesus did from that what the angels had already done. And Jesus is different than the angels. But yet Jesus, for generations, angels been a messenger of God. But now Jesus comes along, not as the angel of the Lord, but He comes along as Messiah, Savior, 
King of kings and Lord of lords. And he said, the Hebrew writer establishes as he writes to these, these people that have followed the law for generation after generation. He said he has made himself a little bit lower than the angels that he may experience all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the heartache that you will ever experience. He made himself a little bit lower than the angels that he may take sin on his shoulders and he may take the penalty of that sin and nail it to a cross and he is made a better way. That is why Jesus came. He tasted death for every single one of us. And the scripture said, the text we read, said that salvation was made perfect through Him. Let me tell you what salvation means. Now, I, I don't believe that salvation has any error about it, but let me tell you that word has a more deeper meaning, much more deeper meaning than that, because perfect being inter- interpreted from the Greek text actually means, it's a word that means it is complete. It means it is complete, It means it cannot be added to. It means that it is forevermore sufficient. And it means it is consummated. In other words, nothing else to be done. You see, when Jesus came and Jesus made himself or allowed himself to be made a little lower than the angels for the sake of us, what Jesus is saying is, I have done everything that needs to be done. You can't be any more saved than what Jesus makes you saved. I want you to know that. Now, you can live your lives in ways and our lives in ways that are more pleasing to Him, but either you're saved or you're not saved, and you can't be any more saved than being saved through Jesus Christ. Because He is the complete salvation. I'm I'm really fast. I'm skimming now. I'm just catching the highlights. Because just when humanity thought that God couldn't love them anymore, Jesus shows up. And He fulfills the Scripture that He was yet to speak. Or He fulfilled it while He was living it. That no greater love had. Has one man for another than to lay down his life. And Jesus put it all on the line. It wasn't just the nailing to the cross. It was everything. It was everything. Jesus put it all on the line. He was subject to everything. The scripture even identifies in like manner such as you and I are. Well, how's that come into play with ABCs? Well, let me share this with you real quick. We go back to that first verse. Pay attention. We must pay careful attention to what we've heard that we do not drift away. We have to be confident in what we've heard. We have to, we must as, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must be confident in what we have heard. What have we heard? We've heard the gospel message. And faith comes by hearing. 
And hearing comes by the word of God. We must be confident in what we've heard. And we must be confident in the, the abiding presence that Christ has given us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our advocate. He's our courage. He's our strength. And our help is here. I'm confident two plus two is four. I'm confident blue is blue and yellow is yellow and red is red. I'm still confident that the ABCs are part of the alphabet. I'm still confident that Jesus is Lord. I'm still confident that the plan of salvation is complete and there's nothing to be added to it. ABCs. Jesus is absolute abundant in the body. He is balanced, beautiful, and He is beloved. Carrie, you want to come back and play? He's absolute abundant and abiding. He's balanced. He's beautiful and beloved. See, He is constant, consistent, and He is caring. Of all the things in life that you and I can and should and need to be confident in, Is that Jesus is Lord of all. He's Lord of all. He's God of all. He's absolute, abundant, and abiding. He's balanced, beautiful, and beloved. He is constant, consistent, and caring. It's easy as ABC. You've heard this before. It's an old adage. It's been around for lots of years. Probably the Southern Baptists lay claim to it, but it's a good one. They should. It all comes down to a relationship with Jesus Christ that is accomplished through accepting, believing, and confessing. The basis of that is found in Romans. If you read Romans 9, 9, Romans 9 and 10 are very good very good chapters to read. It comes down to accepting. I accept, Lord, I accept that you are the Son of God. I accept you are the Savior of the world. I accept that your plan of salvation is complete and there's nothing else to be added to it. If anybody tells you, well, I know you got saved, but Pardon me for how I'm going to say this. If they say, I know you need to get saved. I know that you got saved, but you need to get your butt out of there because they fix and tell you something that ain't true. Because complete salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ. You accept it. And you believe it believe in your heart, you believe in your mind, you believe what the Word of God says, I don't I don't encourage you to believe necessarily what you feel, and I'm not saying that you can't feel the presence of the Lord, but sometimes my feelings will be disguised, sometimes my feelings will fool me, sometimes I, some days, I'll just tell you the truth, some days I don't feel too safe.
I didn't feel too saved in that moment that that trucker tried to run us out of the road here a few weeks back. Okay? Sometimes I don't feel as say, feel as say. But you know what? It's not about I feel I saved. I believe I'm saved because I have brought my life into alignment with the Word of God. And I have believed in my heart that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, lived, breathed, was beaten, just shy of His death, and then was nailed to a cross, And then was put in an empty tomb. A borrowed tomb. For three days. He should have stank by then. But on the third day he rose. And that tomb is empty. Because if the one they took us to is the correct one. And I suppose it is. It's still empty. And then the sea is. I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. number of years ago and there was a movement that went out and you don't hear too much about it anymore but but it was uh the movement was was silent witness and i and i realized the movement existed more than that but this the whole thing is silent witness I, i i don't know it puzzled me a bit because how can you be a christian and not tell somebody about jesus How can you be a Christian and not profess Jesus with your mouth? Don't mean you have to preach to everybody you come to. But somewhere along the line, I do believe it is of necessity that you can say. That's why last week we had those little videos. I told them, I said, you don't have to be long. But somewhere along the way, you say, sometimes somewhere, someplace along the way, you you need to be saying, Jesus saved me. Jesus save me. And as we find ourselves accepting and believing and confessing, then Jesus becomes our salvation. He's already saved. He's already done the work that needs to be done. But it's as simple as ABC. We must accept it. We must believe in Him. We must confess Him. And then going back to that first sentence that I read to you out of the scripture this morning the Hebrew writer which we don't know who that is by the way that's a different subject but the Hebrew writer said pay careful attention that you don't drift away don't forget your relationship with Jesus Christ Don't let your relationship with Jesus Christ wax cold. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment with me. You may be in this room today and you may have, you may have ever been saved in your life. You may be here, but you've grown complacent in your, in your walk with the Lord. But you know what? I find as I 
read this scripture, I find that Jesus Christ is all sufficient. Before we've ever come to Him, or even when we've grown complacent, He's still all sufficient. And I'm a firm believer that He wants every single one of us to rule and reign with Him. And that means to make it to heaven. That's what most of us are concerned about. He wants us to make it to heaven. He wants us to live eternally. He wants us to be saved. I believe if somebody goes to hell, I, I, I really believe that they have to literally tread through the blood of Jesus to go to hell. That's how much He loves us. And He loves you this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed in this room, I want to ask you a question. If you're in this room and you've never been saved before, or maybe you've grown complacent, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I hope by now that most of you know that. If you're, if you're new here this morning, we're not, that's not my business. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you're here and you've never been saved or you're complacent in your relationship with the Lord, I want you to lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor, real quickly. Anybody in this room? Thank you. Thank you. Are there other hands to go up in this room? Thank you. Are there other hands that need to go up this morning? Number of hands have been raised in the room. And here's what I want to ask you to do. Just take just a moment. I'm asking if, if you can not, not, not to leave just yet because I have some things I want to share with you when we get through with, with the, this altar service. But for those of you raise your hand and for many others, I want everybody that can and will, I just want you to come up here and let's, let's spend some time up here in close proximity at the, the altar praying. Can you come up here? You can stand. Stand or kneel, however you choose.